accept his comments on the gubernatorial All right, Mr. Manager, before we get started, I, I want Sorry. to uh, hold the council about our next uh, tentative meeting, November the 7th, uh, before uh, if we need to make any adjustments. Uh, the regular meeting is scheduled for Tuesday, November the 7th at 4 p.m. Is that election day? Yes, sir, Mr. Yes. Yeah, I won't be here today. Okay. Mr. Mayor, I, I don't expect to be here either. All right. Is there any? Tommy, you going to be here? Yep. Tommy, okay. I'm wondering about a quorum. Yeah. I expect to be here. Kenny, you're not going to be here, no. are you? Angela won't be here as well. I won't be here. Okay. So, so we'll. Four, then won't be I won't. Our that's five. Okay, so Mr. Clerk, what's the? We'll have this uh, ordinance to cancel the meeting to uh, take up at the end of the okay. upstairs session. All right, Mr. Manager. All right, Mayor. We've got a um, handful of items to talk you through this evening. The um, uh, Christine Morris, our Chief Resilience Officer, and Katarina Oscarson, the Deputy Resilience Officer, are going to give us an uh, an update on the. Um, NDRC, the Ohio Creek Plan, and so uh, we uh, had to bump them last time, so we appreciate their patience. And then Gary uh, <coughs> Chalk, who is Special Assistant to the City Manager, is going to get up and just uh, inform folks about the um, Waterside Marriott deal. Um, and uh, that'll be actually on your agenda for a vote uh, at your um, October 24th meeting. And then we started the discussion um, last week, or last meeting, about uh, as a follow-up to the retreat about boards and commissions and... Um, I know y'all wanted to continue that conversation, so we'll uh, give you a chance to do that. And then uh, Suzanne Purrier and I will um, give you a sort of an overview of what happened at the retreat and look for a little bit of feedback and guidance from you all as to where we go from there. Um, so with that, I want to ask uh, Christine Morris to, to start us off. Thank you. Good evening, Mayor, Council people, uh, City Manager. It's a, a really exciting time for us in the Resilience Office. We have gotten to a final conceptual design on the NDRC Ohio Creek project. And so Dr. Oscarson is going to give you an update on what, uh, where we are and a timeline as to how we're moving forward. So I'd just like to uh, bring Katarina up. Good evening, uh, Council, Mayor, City Manager. So I really appreciate this opportunity to give you an update. But before I start, I really want to first thank the Council for the vision in believing that uh, Norfolk uh, could lead the nation in resilience. And I want to especially thank uh, Mr. Riddick and Ms. Graves uh, for their support uh, of the project uh, in their words. I want to thank the city manager for his continued support. And uh, I really want to acknowledge the incredible time ex and expertise and imagination that all of our departments uh, have brought to this uh, project. We also have uh, tremendous community partners uh, in this, including the Elizabeth River Project, Wetlands Watch, the list goes on and on. But most of all, uh, we have really incredible partnership uh, with our residents. And I think the council will see from a few slides I'm going to show you tonight what this coordinated approach to a project can, can really uh, achieve. So uh, as you remember, we were awarded with the Commonwealth a 112 million federal HUD grant 
uh, to transform water management uh, in the Ohio Creek uh, area. That includes Chesterfield Heights and Grandy Village neighborhoods. So these red areas are uh, census tracts where we are approved to spend uh, money in. And these harsh blue areas are the watersheds that feed into those census tracts where uh, we can consider using some resources as well as long as it benefits to those two uh, neighborhoods, like in Chesterfield Heights and Grandy Village. So just to remind you, we are trying to use the city's historic hydrology to our advantage as we try to advance this idea of creating the coastal <coughs> community of the future, which is really the city that can uh, thrive and live with the water on the coast uh, uh, despite the changing uh, conditions. And so on this map, you can see the Ohio Creek area and a historic creek that used to run uh, from Princess Anne to, to the Elizabeth uh, River. So the reason we are focusing uh, on this historic hydrology is that we have done a lot of analysis and realized that uh, we flood where we fill those creeks. And so we believe that by restoring uh, some of that old hydrology, uh, we can effectively uh, mitigate some of that problem. And so you can see th these red areas uh, are uh, uh, historic shorelines, and our flood maps sort of overlap uh, with, with those areas. So just a quick reminder of why we flood. So the area, uh, the project area, uh, floods for two reasons. So water is rising in the Elizabeth River project, uh, in the Elizabeth uh, River and blocking storms during, uh, uh, storm drains during high tides. And at the same time, uh, when we get more frequent uh, storms and, and heavy rains, uh, our stormwater system uh, gets overflown. So th this project is really a community-driven process. The whole idea behind this project uh, began with the community, and they have really been our continuously uh, engaged partners all along. We, were, we have held uh, around nine uh, public meetings in the community since June, and here are just some uh, <coughs> pictures from our recent uh, outdoor event where we uh, use physical uh, demonstrations to, to really uh, show residents how these interventions uh, will look like and feel like so that they could be really informed in our discussions. So up here we try to demonstrate how high the berm is going to be. And we had some educational signs there as well. Down here we try to uh, demonstrate how green infrastructure, bump outs that retain a lot of water, uh, could look like and feel like. So this was this was really successful event. We are really committed to this level of engagement throughout uh, the whole project. So now I'm going to uh, take you through some slides to show you where we are. And so right now in, we are in the final conceptual design stage. So from here on, engineers are really uh, taking over, and we are cer fairly certain that this is what we are going to be building unless the engineers uh, tell us that we can't. And 
So right now you are looking uh, at a coastal defense. So this is really what keep storm surge out of the neighborhood and really, you know, water in the river. And so the reason why we have to do this coastal defense is that, uh, you know, as, as sea level rises and as we get more <coughs> heavy and intense storms, we want to make sure that the water doesn't come uh, over the edge and flood uh, the neighborhood. And this green line or yellow uh, line uh, uh, shows you where we will be raising that edge. And we will do that uh, mostly by putting in a green, gradually sloped, vegetated berm. Although in few places we may have to uh, use flood walls uh, because we don't have enough, enough room uh, for uh, the berm. And the areas where, where we will be using uh, flood walls uh, include uh, the Kimball Terrace, and there is a possibility that we may be using some flood walls uh, on the on the western side, right here. But uh, we are not sure about it yet. So we are we are still working through that uh, uh, with our uh, design team. And in front of the of that berm, we will be uh, installing a living shoreline uh, to really. Uh, deal with erosion and, and reduce uh, wave action. But again, you know, the main takeaway here is that, that uh, the coastal protection will be a nice green vegetated berm, sort of a bump in, in the ground. And here are just some uh, pictures uh, of precedents from, from other places. So on the left side, you can see you know, an example of living shoreline. Here is an example of a bermed area. This is how a flood wall could look like. And down here, uh, you can see a sort of design sketch of uh, a berm on Chesterfield Boulevard. So this is what residents are going to see uh, from their porches. May I ask you a question? Sure. <clears throat> now we see the two uh, pedestrians walking. Yes. How far will that travel? How far they would travel? Mm -hmm. uh, the sidewalk? The sidewalk. Yeah. I mean, will it go as far as Harbor Park? Will it go as far as Waterside? No. So the the, the berm alignment. Go from the other side. So the, the berm. So so those two residents were walking right here, okay. Chesterfield River, okay. and that and that berm alignment ends right here, and this is I two sixty four, and so. There, there is no really uh, good connectivity all the way to Harbor Park and, okay. and uh, that area. No. So now, mm -hmm. down um, where you um, have the berm, mm -hmm. who, who will end up owning that property? Will the property owner still own it? So uh, the, the, the city uh, will own the berm because we have to uh, maintain it and uh, uh, um, sort of ensure that. Uh, this is the uh, yeah. property of Chesterfield Heights yeah. that runs along the right. river that y you're familiar with it. Right. About, yeah. um, They've been talking about this for 10 years. That's at least. Yeah. And, and right. so the problem, um, by taking so long, the erosion has just increased dramatically. Mm -hmm. 
when 10 years ago, they could have uh, gone to the, pro the property owners and asked for a right of entry. Mm -hmm. It became very political because uh, instead of the city going to the property owner and said, would you give us the right of entry for us to correct yes. uh, whatever needs to be corrected? Mm -hmm. They didn't. And so, and I don't think, I don't, I don't know whether uh, the entire community is embracing <clears throat> this. Uh, uh, I see the need for it, mm -hmm. but my concern is that when, when this is all completed, that if the person who lives at a particular address on Chesterfield Boulevard, that they own the property adjacent to, you know, because Chesterfield Boulevard, Chesterfield Boulevard is a street, and then the property mm -hmm. uh, went all the way to the water. And there were just so many different scenarios. At one time, it was a property owner's. And then they came back and told the property owner, said, but no, there is a corporation that owns this, yes. you know. So the property owners uh, hired a lawyer. And, uh, and so this particular lawyer took their money and got no results, you know. Uh, this is all correct. Okay. The, the lawyer's name is uh, Scott Carnes. Okay. Um, and and uh, it, it progressed to the point of Scott being appointed uh, as a receiver right. for the defunct corporation okay. um, so that this title could be cleared up. And it was never closed because the um, neighbors, um, the, the, the affected property owners, have not ever been made comfortable so that this work is ongoing and needs to be um, um, completed. And so um, the um, title could be placed in the property owners through the receiver and that our work could be there pursuant to an easement and so that this could and should end up um, with uh, um, everybody happy, but there's been a level of distrust and, and there is a need for, for, for this to be worked through um, so that all the issues that you identified are, are, are still um, needing to be completed. Andrea? So the, you said there have been nine community meetings since this summer? Yes. So have we been in, we've reached out to all of these folks and asked their input. Absolutely, and, and we are we are working uh, with the Civic League and, and with residents who live on Chesterfield Boulevard. We are working uh, uh, with the receiver, and uh, we are working on a public easement uh, that would allow us to uh, maintain uh, the berm, basically construct it and maintain it. So that's what I meant when I said you know the, the city would own it. That really means we will be uh, able to maintain it and, and operate it and make sure that the structure stays intact and keeps the water out. We, we will own the public improvements and, yeah, and the land exactly. can be owned by somebody else. It, yep. And I don't know um, the history like you do, Mr. Riddick, but it seems like this would be an improvement to their property values. Well, it's a little bit more deeper than that. Okay. Uh, as I said, uh, had this been done 10 years ago, uh, then it would be much more shoreline for the property owners to enjoy uh, in terms of the frontage of their home. Uh, and, you know, I just wonder uh, sometimes, you know, why things occur, you know, the way that they do. Now, down at the uh, other end where Grandy Village is, yep. uh, did HRT make, make an investment down there, maybe $25,000? My understanding was that they mitigated some um, of the wetland Wetlands. restoration right. as a part of the light right. rail. So, right. yes, there's okay. mitigation there. Just a part of light rail. As part of the light rail okay. construction. Well, I'm glad we got the $120 million 
dollars in grants because I had no for those. Yes. No. At least. It needs to right. Can't get the ten years back. Can't get the ten years back. And, and somebody who lives in a, a similarly very flood prone mm -hmm. zone, I wish we had that hundred twenty million dollars yeah. So it's good that we're doing. It. Well, I guess you. I mean, you can say that, but it's a lot deeper than just you know just that. My question is, okay, we got 120 million over there, but Tower to Drive is still gonna flood. Yes. You're still not gonna be able to get down Tower to Drive. Yeah. You know, at Virginia Beach Boulevard, uh, or uh, at uh, at Brampton Avenue. Yeah. And over here, this is while it, it, it I see the, the the prudence in it, but it's more beautification than anything else. Because like I said, 10 years ago, uh, the, the the homeowners would have had much more property to enjoy. And so when I'm thinking of $120 million uh, going towards flooding, I'm still thinking about still, you know, uh, what, about a month ago, uh, you got an accident trying to get to city council meeting. We still couldn't get down here. You know, so it looks like to me that the money would have been, and, I, and, and, and trust me, everybody knows I'm not an engineer. And so for whatever reason, it went, you know, in the direction that it did, I guess, you know, you have a foundation for that so anyway yeah yeah no absolutely and you know we submitted the uh, uh, tide water area in our application to right. HUD as well and and this is what HUD right. uh, chose to right. chose to fund and right. you know allocated the money specifically to those two census tracts and the watersheds that that feed feed there yeah. and I, I'm in no way questioning you know your presentation sure. and what you're doing what you probably hear is frustration from 10 years ago when this thing could have been done correctly but nothing uh, anchored towards mm -hmm. you. <laughs> Thank you. Right. And just, yeah, in, in terms of Burm, that's why we are creating a lot of sketches like this to really help people understand uh, how the change is going to uh, feel like and how their view is going to change and they will be still able to see the water and enjoy uh, the, the neighborhood the way it is. So that's, if there are no questions about this coastal alignment, I'll move to uh, stormwater. So now I'm going to talk to you a little bit about uh, how we are going to address stormwater. And there are two reasons why we have to do that. So first, right now in very heavy rains, uh, this neighborhood is not able to clear all the stormwater. We experience it in many other places in, in Norfolk uh, as well. And second, as we raise that edge uh, to keep river out, uh, we are creating a condition where less water can drain off the land during the rain. And so we have to make sure that we mitigate for that. And we are going to do that by uh, taking a multi-layered approach to stormwater. And the main goal of this approach is to uh, increase our capacity to hold water in as many places uh, in the neighborhood as we can. And to do that, uh, we will be improving that capacity by implementing several strategies. First, we will be uh, using larger pipes and cisterns underground. Secondly, uh, on the surface, uh, we will be restoring uh, the existing 
wetland areas, so all those sort of green and blue spaces you can see. And uh, thirdly, we will be uh, improving streets uh, and enhancing them with bioswales and rain gardens and uh, corner bump-outs with green infrastructure uh, to infiltrate some of that water. Finally, we will also uh, be working with residents so that and encourage them to hold water on their property through our uh, Retain Your Rain uh, work. So basically everywhere you see these, these dots, that's where we will be uh, uh, putting in those green infrastructure corner bump outs. And everywhere you see these, these uh, dash lines, this is where we are going to be putting in uh, those bioswales. At the same time, uh, at the same time, uh, in some streets, we will be able to uh, put uh, permeable pavement into parking lanes. So that will help us uh, hold some of them, some of that water uh, as well. And so the big idea behind this is that uh, when we get a high tide and storm on top of that and uh, rain, uh, heavy rainfall, we have extra capacity uh, to hold that water in those pipes, bioswales, rain gardens, uh, improved wetlands, all those things I just talked about. And if that water gets too high, uh, we have the capacity to uh, pump it out, but that's not our preferred choice. So uh, we have done some extensive modeling and found that these uh, green infrastructure uh, based water catchment features really uh, hold some substantial uh, amount of water and allow us decrease uh, that requirement for pumping. And so from our initial thinking uh, of four large expensive pumps, we are down to three small pumps uh, because of this innovation that will at the same time make, make the, the neighborhood uh, look greener and, and healthier. And here just uh, some, again, examples of how these interventions uh, will look like. So on this right side, uh, these are pictures from other, from other places, but here you have nice example of an improved sidewalk with a bioswale. This is a corner bump out. Uh, this is how we are going to be uh, improving those wetlands and creating uh, storm parks. And uh, this is Marlboro Avenue uh, sketch uh, and Kimball Terrace to, to show you uh, what people will actually see uh, in the neighborhood. Last thing I want to mention about this stormwater is that as part of this project, we <coughs> will uh, create a pattern book, much like you've seen uh, in Huntersville pattern book. But this pattern book uh, will be around green infrastructure for uh, private parcels. And so by doing that, we uh, want to make sure that uh, residents across Norfolk can choose these pre-designed green infrastructure uh, packages that they, they can implement uh, on their properties. And at the same time, uh, our go goal is to really train workforces to be able to construct these type of pre-designed uh, green infrastructure uh, interventions. And we will, of course, test it first 
uh, in this neighborhood using resources from the grant to, to see if it works. And then we will study the whole city to understand the typology, to see how the conditions uh, change. To, and, and we will include it in that pattern book. So, of course, resilient neighborhood is not only resilient <coughs> from water, but it's also a healthy, strong, uh, connected neighborhood of, cho of choice. And so uh, we want to make sure that residents have easy access in and out uh, of the neighborhood and can enjoy some new amenities that can make the neighborhood uh, uh, more desirable. So to improve the connectivity, we will uh, improve uh, entrance and exits at the Kimball Terrace and Ballantyne. So Kimball Terrace is right here. So uh, this road right now plots at four feet and uh, we will realign it and elevate it so that it doesn't flood to eight feet. And we will be also making improvements to this Ballantyne uh, underpass walkway, which will make it easier for residents to get to the uh, light rail. And see, right now there are only two uh, exits out of the neighborhoods and one of them floods during heavy rain, so, so this will really uh, enhance uh, uh, the connectivity and the safety uh, of that neighborhood. Dr. Oskin, sure. can you just elaborate a little more on the improvement under the uh, 264 yes. uh, um, interstate, yep. how you're going to improve the, Absolutely. Uh, the, the, the road there, because right now it's very unsafe. Yep, and um, I actually have a nice nice picture to, to demonstrate there that. Is. Uh -huh. So this is the current condition, very dark, dangerous. We, we, we talk to a lot of residents in the neighborhood. They do use this, uh, this underpass and really like to see some improvements. And so we show them several uh, options from, from other places and they like uh, this idea of widening uh, the underpass and potentially uh, putting some uh, lights there. So we think that, because uh, we, we are not far uh, enough in engineering to know exactly how it's going to look like, but already today we had a meeting uh, with VDAT to talk about uh, how could we uh, work together to uh, extend that underpass to make it uh, more safer. And at the same time, uh, we are investigating how to better coordinate uh, uh, traffic signals Thanks. so that people can <laughs> people can get uh, out of the neighborhood uh, in more timely this, manner. This is one of the things I had just yeah. put down. Um, there are like three stoplights there, yeah. and they're not synchronized at all. And you you stop at one in yeah. front of the school, then you exactly. stop at another one, and then you have the one for uh, light rail. Mm -hmm. You know, so that would be an, uh, an improvement if you could, you know, in, in, incorporate that. Yeah, we are we are working with our transportation department uh, on to do exactly exactly that. Uh, now, what is that walk up your top? Uh, uh, the top picture. Uh -huh. So, the top right. The, the wetland trail. The wetland. Yes. So, so these are. Oh, it's actually cut on the slide. But these pictures uh, on the right side are are precedents uh, from other places. Oh. Uh, because, as you could see from from this picture, so you know we have one wetland here, one wetland here, and so 
community expressed an interest in having you know some wetland trail or or a public pier at the end at the end of the Valentine. Okay. So you know so one aspect is this connectivity to get people safely in and out of the neighborhood and make uh, the community more connected, which of course helps with economic vitality. And another uh, aspect we are currently working on are uh, community assets and amenities. And so we will be uh, holding, imagining sessions with our parks and recreations, uh, NRHA residents, botanical gardens, and other uh, partners to, to really uh, uh, talk about what would be the best mix of amenities we could put in this in this green uh, area right here because right now you have nice ball fields there and and uh, they flood yeah, yeah, exactly yeah and so we want to we want to improve them and and put some uh, fitness stations and uh, other amenities that of course determine with the community so we think that we can accommodate a uh, multi-use playing field, uh, a basketball hall, and uh, and those fitness stations. That's sort of what residents told us they would like to see. But this this Valentine corridor is, is really a showcase. It's going to become a showcase street for the neighborhood, and and a gateway that will that will uh, uh, be accessible to Chesterfield Heights and. Uh, Grindy Village and just to show you how it may look like so this is a sketch of uh, of uh, a Valentine corridor so as you can see we will be demonstrating a lot of those uh, water retention features on a Valentine so you have uh, pervious pavement bioswale uh, corner bump out and at the same time you will be you will be able to from a uh, light rail, you will be able to pass through this safer underpass, walk through this improved uh, condition, all the way, all the way to a public pier that the community expressed they would like to see, public fishing pier. And this is one of the places where where we may have to put a pump station. So we are uh, investigating how can we use the pump station for. And educational purposes, so that it actually doesn't look like a pump station. It would be, it would uh, <coughs> sort of fit nicely into, into the uh, character of the of the neighborhood. And at the same time, the pump station would uh, serve as a sort of gate if you want to lock uh, access to the pier uh, at night. So this this Valentine will really become a prototype street of what. You know, road can can look like uh, in a future co coastal community <coughs> of the future, and yeah, and here are some examples of those uh, educational playgrounds uh, that we will be working on with community in upcoming months. So, this map uh, shows all of the features we just talked about uh, in in one map. So this is what we are taking uh, forward to engineering, and we really believe this is this is a truly an elegant solution that protects uh, this area of the city to 100-year storm surge, 10-year uh, rain event, and two point feet of sea level rise in the future. 
Many of these solutions are, of course, uh, replicable across the city, across the region, and, and the entire East Coast. And so we really believe that this project will uh, position Norfolk as a leader in the uh, water management across the nation and uh, internationally uh, as well. At the same time, this is really a tremendous uh, opportunity uh, for innovation. So we, we look at this as, as a laboratory for universities. And so we are working with Old Dominion University, Norfolk uh, State University, Rice Coastal Laboratory to create uh, some experimental spaces and uh, collect data and really drive innovation around these solutions. Just you know, to give you one example, we have four different wetlands conditions uh, that we can that we can use as experimental cells, and then uh, use that learning across the city, the region, uh, the entire uh, United States. Uh, also, uh, we are scheduled to talk to schools because we want to engage students in our public schools uh, so that they can better understand, you know, how what does it mean to live in a tidal uh, community with uh, rising sea level and how can we work all together to reduce uh, risk to living on the coast. And finally, this is our schedule uh, for the project. So a few weeks ago, we concluded this community feedback on this final conceptual design. And we have to get uh, to permeable uh, schematic drawings uh, by winter 2018 uh, so that construction can start in 2019 because our hard deadline is uh, summer 2022. The project needs to be completed uh, by then. These are slightly conservative uh, uh, dates for we believe we can get to this milestone a little bit faster. All right. And I would be happy to answer any additional questions. Thank you very much, Katarina. All right. Manager. Hi, uh, Dr. Oscar. Thanks so much. That, that is, um, without telling you something you already know, but it's important for folks at home maybe that are seeing some of this stuff for the first time, this is a massive undertaking. And it is, um, it is significant on a lot of levels. It is, it is significant from just a purely an engineering perspective. Um, you heard, I thought the, the summary was dynamite of talking about this as a laboratory, and, and Mr. Riddick is exactly right. We're going to do wonderful things in this neighborhood, and yet we've got challenges all over the city. But we are truly learning in this area. We, we are learning from an engineering perspective. Uh, we are learning from a civic engagement perspective. I think there is a lot that's going on out here um, that we've had some successes and we've had some failure, things where not, not as many people have shown up as we would hope and things where lots of folks have shown up. And one, maybe one of the most creative things uh, that this team did was uh, what you saw in those pictures was literally showing you the scale of the different solutions and, and samples of what was going out there. So, you know, if you don't work in this stuff every day, if you're a resident, you don't really understand what these folks are proposing for you. So you could see how high some of these things are uh, and how big they are. Uh, working through the HUD processes, working through the Commonwealth of Virginia to get the money to flow and all those things has been a, a very significant undertaking. But I, I really believe when we're done, while this will change this neighborhood dramatically, uh, I think it's going to teach us a lot about how we use some of these um, techniques uh, throughout the city. So I really appreciate everything, Christine and, and Katarina. The flooding that was uh, eliminated in front of Titan, 
Did the city pay for it or did Titan pay for it? Does anyone know? So those improvements, I think we're out of stormwater. If I'm, uh, Kimball Terrace. Kimball Terrace. Kimball Terrace. Yeah. We paid for it, but did Titan pay for it? No, I think it was, it was, it was on uh, the east side of Titan, that, that culvert improvement. And it was to keep that road from flooding. And who paid for it? I, I believe the city paid for All right, so, so Mayor, uh, next item we've got is I'm going to ask Jared Chalk to step up and talk to you about the Waterside Marriott, which is being acquired by um, Lingerfeld Commonwealth Properties. And uh, we're going to ask you to vote next week on an item that uh, uh, we, we make a commitment. Obviously, we're getting some improvements to the, to the hotel with new ownership, and uh, we believe it creates an opportunity for us to make some improvements to uh, the conference center that we own. And Jared's going to talk you through that, see if you've got questions for next meeting. Good afternoon. Um, going to um, talk to you about the development history of the Marriott, um, like Doug said, a recent update, um, a request for city participation in the project, and then a recommendation. Um, so the Marriott um, was built in 1991, um, and essentially NRHA owns the land. So the land is owned by NRHA, the developer owns the hotel, and the city owns the conference center. And um, Back in 1991, we also built the Main Street Garage. We did all the pedestrian connectors around it, um, the sidewalks and lighting. Um, we also have a parking agreement with them uh, for the Main Street Garage. And the original deal also included a percentage of gross rents and uh, the catering contract, a percentage of revenues were included to the city. But over time, uh, the deal's been renegotiated and these are no longer part of it. Um, so like Doug said, uh, Lingerfelt Commonwealth Partners based in Richmond um, has the project or has the hotel under contract. Um, they've requested city participation in upgrading um, the hotel and the conference center. They're going to upgrade the rooms, the conference facilities, the lobby, and the rooftop pool. And they close on the purchase um, either this month or in November, um, and they've agreed to secure a 20-year extension of the franchise with Marriott. Um, we believe that the purchase price is somewhere around $35 million, and they'll be doing about 15 to $20 million in upgrades on the hotel. Um, the deal that we've, we've come to um, discuss with them is they would purchase the NRHA-owned land under the, comp, uh, under the um, hotel, excuse me, under the, just under the hotel for $1.5 million. NRHA would retain the land under the conference center, and we would retain ownership of the conference center. We would then spend no less than $4 million over the next three years um, in the city's own conference center. The, that includes the $1.5 million in land proceeds. So essentially, we'd, we'd spend another $2.5 million to upgrade uh, the conference center facilities. We would then also, we'd have a performance-based grant um, that would be paid on an annual basis. And the next slide, I'll get into a little more detail on, on how this will be calculated. But essentially, the first $600,000 in new revenue would come to the city, um, and anything above that $600,000 would then be paid to the developer. The maximum annual grant payment would be $600,000, and there'd be a maximum uh, total grant of $3 million, and it should be a 10-year term commencing in 19. So if you look at this um, table here, this kind of gives you an overview of what the grant payment could look like. Um, this line's the base year, which is 2017. Um, 2018, we're assuming that that would be a, a year of construction. And then this assumes that there'd be $1.2 million in additional revenue coming to the city every year. So the green would be the first 600000 that would come to the city. And the orange would be the amount of the grant that would be paid back to the developer. 
So this is all new money. Um, the city gets the upside, and we always maintain what we're you know, currently getting in 2017. So after the after 2017 calendar year, we'll know our base, and then anything above that um, uh, would be new money to the city in terms of revenue or a grant payment back to the developer. So our recommendation is to move forward uh, with this proposal. Um, Lingerfelt would, would secure the Marriott uh, for another 20 years. They would do you know 15 to 20 million in renovations. Um, it'd be, it's a great project. Um, really upgrade um, uh, the hotel. Uh, the land under the hotel would be transferred to um, Lingerfelt for 1.5 million dollars, and then we NRHA would provide a performance-based grant. Um, to the developer for everything in excess of the $600,000 um, over the base year of 2017. And then we do the $4 million in, uh, over the next three years for the conference center. When will we start getting money? When will we start realizing the worth of this investment? 2019. So we so close on the land um, quickly. So you get the million and a half of the land sale at closing. And then in terms of new revenues generated by their improvements, you probably... It'll be about a year of construction, we believe. So good. Great. So what happens if we do nothing? If we do nothing... Um, probably lose the flag. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, just want, I just want people to understand the, the risk we have is we lose potentially the Marriott flag and the conference center continues to decline. Right. So what, what you've got is a, um, a property that is... Um, uh, the current owners haven't spent the money that, to, to make the improvements, and uh, if you stay on that path, uh, there is a risk that uh, you ultimately lose the, the Marriott flag. And so part of what we think you get out of this uh, uh, transaction is um, that uh, monies generated by the transaction are paying for um, our improvements in our conference center. So we own the conference center, and that's where we, we've got to spend that money at some point anyway. Uh, the improvements that the hotel makes get matched uh, by the conference center, and um, if this is a home run, uh, then the uh, the new owner and the city get get to share in that. But we get our money first, and I think that's a really important. So we mitigate our risk. Correct. Yes. Yeah, essentially, this provides. Long way of saying we've mitigated our risk. Right, Dr. Woodley. Oh, I just was saying, you know, so often with these deals, the headline is cities dumping this amount of money into the Marriott. And I just hope that we can do whatever we can to get the message out. No new money here. Uh, you know, this is our property that we're improving, that we're obligated to do anyway. And, you know, just, I don't know how you hone that in. I mean, we've tried for a long time, but invariably it always comes back as uh, we're giving away money. And so would you repeat what you said again about no new? Yeah, I mean, essentially this deal provides a revenue stream to pay for our conference center upgrades. So we get the first $4 million to, to upgrade the conference center, um, and there's no new money. And, and, it, it, and there's no new it. money. The, it, no, it's all new money. It's all new yeah, money. Right, but yeah. you know what I mean. It's all, yes. it's all new money. Yeah. <laughs> and if we don't, we do. There's some risks, and um, uh, there's no plan right now to upgrade the hotel other than. I, 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 I'd like to just say anecdotally, I mean, um, my husband has conferences here in town, he brings in hundreds of people. They use um, all the, the hotels down there, but they have people who would check out of the Marriott because right now the the quality of the product there, unfortunately, is just not that great. And um, and it's great that we're bringing more people downtown for our big conferences and 
um, but we need to make sure that the quality of all the hotels is, is upgraded and it seems like we've got interest from folks. Um, and I also like to point out that this wasn't the first crack at this and I appreciate the manager for saying, hey listen, this wasn't a good deal when they originally presented it and let's take another bite of the apple um, and that we're not, we're not so anxious to, to do a deal that we're willing to go ahead and negotiate. This is a much better deal the second time around, so thank you. Jerry, thank you. Well done. Um, so at, at our last com last meeting, we had some conversations about boards and commissions, and so I wanted to give Councilman Smigel and uh, Councilman McClellan a chance to continue that conversation with you. Sure. So um, I've taken all of your lists and compiled them because I'm still missing two council members' lists. So once I receive those, I'll be able to email out. Um, it was pretty interesting to see what you guys chose. Is there were some common ones, like everybody wanted to be on the Chrysler Museum of Art Board um, as the liaison uh, for that, but uh, there, was a, there was some separation. Nobody chose the school board um, to be the liaison to the school board, so I, I added that to Terry's list. Um, are, are, we, are, we, are we actually... You're not attending the meetings. No, I mean, but I mean, but overseeing, in essence, are we overseeing these boards? You're a liaison. You're just all you're there is to for the chair uh, to communicate with. I'm I'm not going to participate because I think it's a poor idea. So you're not going to get one from me. It's an awful okay. idea. Okay. Yes, Terry. Uh, Martin and I were talking about this before the meeting, and it, frankly, it was his thought that, um, which I thought was a great one was that there may be some opportunities to combine some of these groups in addition to what has been proposed. And perhaps by having us be liaisons for similar types of committees mm -hmm. yes. and being connected with them, then maybe we could make some recommendations to um, either have them work together or have them work as one. So in establishing your links, if you could all think about that and I did that so oh, well you're way ahead yeah of me then. so <laughs> when yeah it just made sense to do that um, and particularly because there's a few like there's the Hampton Roads disability and then there's the disability right are so you know having the same person okay, good. on that so helped. I hope all so, of us that become liaisons kind of try to be thinking about that is as a way for us to become more efficient and more effective. All right, so Ms. Johnson and Ms. Green. I'm sorry, you, Tommy, well, wait a minute. And, and just, um, I think we do need guidance on the new commissions that were recommended, the um, Human Rights Commission, the Small Business, and the IT Commission. And I think there needs to be some direction from council if you support that. It seemed like there was. We just wanted to know uh, because we need uh, ordinance um, I think to establish yeah, so, those. Yeah, so, so I think that I think one of the things that we uh, need to do when it comes to the IT and uh, is to see well, what Steve DeBerry and his group are doing and what their needs are um, before we establish new commissions. I think that we need to do some more work um, to make sure that we get a full. Uh, I'm going to speak before Andrew because we're going to be 180 <laughs> degrees away here, but I. I really appreciated the work you've done, and I think this is a really crucial thing that City Council needs to be working toward. We have a lot of great citizens that are working on these boards and contributing, and we have not given them the time nor the attention they deserve. I also know that we have way too many committees, 
and it takes an inordinate amount of time from administration. So I love the idea of paring them down. I am loath to adding work. And adding these three new commissions are going to not only make up for the ones that we've minimized, but they're going to add more work for administration. So I don't think we go into this lightly. I also don't think we have really vetted what we're thinking these groups might do. So my thought is, frankly, I'd like to um, move ahead with your recommendations as far as assigning liaisons, pairing groups down, and then work together to figure out what we need going forward. Some of these groups, I think, might be able to be ad hoc groups that have maybe meet for three months, have some uh, assignments, and then sunset. But I, I don't want to do that yet. And they're called commissions, just to, for that reason. So yeah. commissions have sunsets. sunsets so the, they're the supposed to thing, have sunsets in them. The one thing, yeah. though, very quickly, is I would really like to tonight come up with a date that we're going to use to evaluate our appointments. And I would want I want that put in right now so that does not go away. You that means appointees or commission appointments? Our, no, our appointees. Now, okay. I also like the idea of every three months doing our commissions. Okay. But I, you know, we okay. didn't at the retreat evaluate our um, appointments and like Doug, like Breck. And so I would like us to put a date. And that was the final point, I think, Andrea, yes. is that we have recommended a personnel committee of right. two so, that so would yeah. organize oh, all that. that yeah. so, we need the date. They and would organize that. Date. They would put the calendar together and then present it to council. So Terry and I will come up with some criteria to recommend as the matrix or the are you the personnel committee with personnel committee Terry and I. All right, Mr. Johnson. News to me. Um, <laughs> I want to say thank you, Councilwoman McCollin and Councilman Smeagol for your hard work on the boards and commissions. However, in my request to the manager and to this council and Mr. Mayor, it was never intended for it to um, get to the point where it is. Um, I've been hounding um, Breck and Allen for months about boards and commission, while at the same time taking my time to learn exactly what these boards and commission, the purpose of boards and commissions, the process of uh, how the boards and commissions work, um, how do we go about looking at our decision-making process, as well as something as little as how long we keep the applications on, on file, because those things are really crucial. I don't think, and this is of my opinion, that we're at the point where we should be assigning boards and commissions and liaisons um, to the boards and commissions. I think there's groundwork that has to be done that we've missed and that we haven't had enough discussion about boards and commissions and what it really means, the relevance of these boards and commissions to ensure that we get it right this time. Um, and I'm very appreciative of the work that's done, but I don't believe that we're at this point where we're voting 
uh, where, where we're making assignments that we have to make a decision on what board or commission we're going to be liaison. And learning from Brett um, and Alan, it's the process that I really wanted to focus on first before any assignments could be made with dealing with the governing um, body. So that is of, of my opinion. Um, and I think that we need to have more discussion and we need to go back. Okay, Ms. Gray's hand, then I saw Adrian. You know, on the liaison thing, I will tell you I'm 50-50, truthfully. Um, we have a lot of work to do, we do it, and, and most of us work. And so I'm 50-50 I'm on it, I'll do it if that is what the majority of you agree to um, that, 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 that you want to do. Um, but, you know, I, we have a lot to do anyway. So I, I, that taken into consideration. What I do think is, do we have, don't we have, who's our government affairs liaison now? Um, right now, Stelma Drake. Okay. And um, is she still doing transportation too? She is. Okay, so Thelma Drake aside for this comment that I'm about to make, but outside of January to March, the government affairs liaison doesn't have anything to do. So I think that the government affairs liaison ought to be the person going over to the school board and sitting in on the school board meetings, to be perfectly honest with you, and taking notes and then preparing something that is, that is reviewed by the manager and sent out to the council on a weekly basis. They have discussion just like we do. do. They have open session just like we do. And, um, you know, when, when the government affairs liaison is in Richmond, January, February and March, that's one thing. But March through December, they're not doing anything. And we're paying them a whole bunch of money not to do anything three quarters of the year. So they can go over every week to the school board meeting and take notes and then give us, so we can, if something goes on over there so that we don't have to read about it in the newspaper, we can have a live body who can bring back that information um, to the council and keep us updated as to what the conversation is, what the needs are, you know, the things that may come up, um, and especially since we only meet with them three or four times a year. So that's my position on the school board liaison. I think it should be the government affairs liaison. Um, I do support the Human Rights Commission um, and the Small Business Commission. I'm about 50-50, honestly, on the IT Commission. Um, just because, I, I, I mean, I love IT and, and I understand the need for us to, to, to be technologically savvy, but we don't have um, a budget that does not have restraints. And so I get, you know, a lot of times IT people have all these great and grand ideas and all these great and grand ideas come with <coughs> figures. And kind of once you throw it out there, it's like, oh yeah, the city should do this and the city should do that without any concern for how much it costs and what we have to deal with, you know, as a city with a budget. So I'm, I'm a little concerned about that side of it. And um, I don't necessarily support a personnel committee that is an in-depth committee. If a couple of you, like Kenny and Terry, want to get together and put together recommendations for an evaluation, I think that's fine. But I think that committee should be ad hoc. I don't think it should be an ongoing kind of committee. I'm not signing up for <laughs> I know you're all the time, so I can just schedule. <laughs> all right. Okay.
Andrea and Tommy. I'm sorry. So uh, I think what we started last week was a start, and I don't think tonight was intended to be a finish. It's a conversation. Uh, I do think we need to have a goal in mind in terms of when we wrap this up, because it could go on forever. So I'd like to recommend by the end of the calendar year, ideally, we have a review maybe of, of the policies and the procedures that you're talking about. I think you and I, we all probably um, generally feel the same way about the need for some updates on those. Um, the liaison structure was really created solely not for each of us to go to each of these meetings, but rather for uh, the chair of a board or commission to have a specific council person that they could reach out to if they had a policy issue or question they needed to work with, that was it. Not to be a, a heavy workload, uh, but just to recognize that these are citizens who are putting a lot of time and effort into it. Andrew, um, in addition to that, um, I believe we staff. We do staff. We staff those boards, commissions, and authority we do. authorities. We do. We staff yeah, we do. So they, they, there is a person, sure. a policy but, person from the administration, or in sometimes legal, uh, that they can bounce things off. So. Um, and then go to court. Yeah. All right. So Tom. So, wait, 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 I'm sorry. Wait, wait, wait. So, um, and then with regards to the Technology Commission, I've talked with Steve DeBerry, Steve DeBerry, I've talked with the manager's office, and we already have some uh, entities that are in place that I think we need to work with. We have something called Norfolk Connect, which is a great idea. Um, it meets once a year. It really hasn't done, it, it's done some work with the broadband issue, but I would recommend that we expand that to look at really a smart cities perspective, look at IoT, look at civic tech, et cetera, recognizing that we have limited funds. Um, I'd like to think that we've got a lot of know-how in our community that could help us maybe utilize our funds better and more efficiently um, to do more for the city. So, but these are things that I think that we should be working towards. It's October now. Let's try and have a goal, Mr. Mayor, if you'd be willing to to look at this, you know, on a continuing basis, and then bring something back. And hopefully, maybe by the retreat in January, January, February, February, we have everything rolled up. I, my big issue, though, is I want to codify, and I hope you all do, a regular time when we look at vacancies so that they don't just get extended over and over and over again. Okay. Tommy, then Martin, then Dr. Woodley. Yeah, just I wanted to respond to Mamie. Um, and maybe we had, uh, I know you were out of town. Um, we had a good uh, discussion last meeting, which I think there were other issues that came out in addition to what you said. So. Um, some of the like the liaison structure conversation was also um, a passion of um, some other council members and a model of what's done in some other localities. And I think understanding the word liaison at our what we plan on doing with that was not to sit in those meetings, as Andrea said, but to just be aware of what that board and commission does. And so if, if they when we do appointments, you may have reached out to the chair, and the chair may have reached out to you as well. And then you can, um, you know, speak about the issues that are going on with that board of commission. Yeah, the reality is, we don't have a lot of boards of commissions. It looks like a lot. When I went through that list and started placing it, it's not as bad as it uh, seems because there's also a lot of council appointed um, positions on there. Like the regional jail was on that list, but Martin's been appointed to that. Hampton Roads Transit was on that list, and Andrea is now appointed to that Hampton Roads Plain District. So there were a lot of boards and commissions listed there. And then there are some on there too that um, meet once a year or don't meet at all um, uh, unless there's something that comes up. So when you really bring it down to the core boards and commissions, 
um, you're really, um, if we went to the liaison structure, would be working with some of the major boards and commissions more than um, the Myra. So, like, I just put towing advisory board under me because nobody picked it, and I was just like, well, they, they don't meet, but <laughs> really, but if they needed me, I, I went ahead and added that to it. But there was a lot of people that had passions for certain areas. Martin had, you know, the Architectural Review Board, Planning Commission, that, that kind of thing, um, and linked together. So um, I don't think it's as bad as it probably sound or looked on that paper when you circled it. Um, and most of us already, you kind of circled what your passion was. I think you chose the library board because you used to be on the library board, so that was something you chose. Just wanted to complete the list, and um, we'll send it out to you. Um, and then you can say, I really, I'm not interested in that one. I didn't mean to circle it. Or um, you, you, if you want to know that five people chose the Chrysler Museum of Art, I can put that information in there. But I, you know, just kind of. It didn't really matter to me as long as there was somebody that was representing them. But, you know, we've been talking about this for a yeah. very long time. Yeah. And the last time we brought it up, it got pushed. I mean, it just, and, and we're going to end up in the same, I, I don't think there, is there a sense of urgency with this? I don't know. It depends on what your definition of urgency is. But it just seems like this is the time to do it. Let's go ahead and knock it out. And I don't know if we really need to push it to February if it's, there's enough council members that are interested in doing this. And the only thing that I would say about the Human Rights Commission and the small business and the IT, I'm not beholden to them, but they seem like priorities of this council. And so um, our boards and commissions um, should be aligned to our priorities and things that we want to do as a city. Um, and maybe we need to look, go back and look at eliminating some more boards and commissions that are not necessarily our priority. Maybe we were too light because we were worried about hurting people's feelings. But maybe we need to go back and look at that list again and maybe uh, end some more because, I mean, we had the Veterans Commission that we talked about and the military economic development one that were established. And I, you know, went back and forth with Andrea on it a little bit. Do we really need two military commissions? Um, could, they, could they be combined and service the veterans and do economic development? So I know uh, Captain Beaver, I don't, I don't want to um, step on any toes. I know you're doing some work with them. But... Maybe we just need to suck it up and say we don't need two of those. Let's combine them, and they can serve the same role and start moving towards our priorities. Okay, Martin and Dr. Woodward. Uh, yeah, thank you, uh, both Tommy and Andrea. And Tommy, honestly, one of the things that I was uh, really hooked on until you just made these some comments was I think thought we needed to consolidate more of the boards. Um, but it may, may very well be true what you're saying, and that is that there really aren't that many once you drill down to see how often they meet. The secondary reason I see for us to really have this liaison structure is many of the boards and commissions uh, don't feel like uh, they're getting anything done, don't feel like uh, their message ever makes it up to uh, this table. So I think it's important that we set this up for that reason uh, as well. Uh, I'm, I'm looking towards the, the clerk's office uh, to do some research and figure out maybe what some of the best practices are here and come back with some recommendations. I don't think it should just be... Um, Tommy and Andrea kind of shouldering all this, uh, so if y'all could do the research for the next month and come back with some, hey, these are what we've researched and these are the best practices for boards and commissions and how they should operate and how they should report to us, whether it's the, the annual report or whether they come and speak to us once a year and how that's formulated. Maybe it's different for each board and commission. And also, just to add to that, I think that's important because we don't want to put a council member in a position that they have to vote on something that may originate from one of the board's commissioners and authorities, and then you have to recuse yourself. 
or you know you may find yourself in a compromising position so Brad would you look at the best practices how council members elected officials should interface with boards and commissions and authorities the do's and the don'ts and when should we not be engaged so I think that's important but I do uh, understand that uh, having uh, a council member uh, to be the liaison so that boards commission authorities feel value and that their ideas their thoughts uh, you know make it to this table but know when not to, to, to be part of that discussion because it will take you out of the you know we don't make sure that we we protect everybody at the table and also protect that board commission the last thing uh, I had to say is, Andrea, I, I, I'm totally on board with codifying, hey, we're going to meet on X date or X time at the quarter and, and do these, uh, fill these vacancies. But I think we also need to couple that with some sort of outreach plan, some sort of recruiting plan. I mean, and again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the pressure on the clerk's office. Come back to us and tell us what are the best practices for outreach to the community when we have opening on this board. So how are we going to get it out there? How are we going to let the people know not only that we have an opening, but what does that board entail? What is the time uh, commitment involved? When, what time do they meet? I mean, people need to know. We need to be on social media uh, so that people can see that and we can get the best uh, potential talent for these boards and commissions. A better description of the boards and commissions online would probably be very helpful because some of them are very vague. And if you read them, you still go, what does that mean or what do they do? So maybe going back and revamping until we can get a better system in place, those descriptions and including the dates and times that they meet so people will understand the obligation. Okay. Um, Tammy's right. We've talked about this for eight years. And every issue that we're bringing up today has been brought up within those eight years. This is not new news. And to push this off on Brett now again, for him to give us information, I, you know, I think this is our deal. And I think, um, I think we've got a deal here. And I'm, you know, I, I appreciate Mamie's comments, but I'm not hearing a time frame. I'm hearing, gosh, let's talk about it again. And so there we are, we're pushing it down, pushing it down. And then the next thing you know, it's going to be February, and it'll be a year, and we still haven't done anything. Let's start, and then we can always come back and say, well, this isn't working. We're starting slow. We're going to make sure we meet every three months. We're going to have somebody just be the connection with these boards. I don't think that puts us in voting jeopardy. Um, and then, we, as I did say, I would like to talk about these committees. Um, but at least let's start there. Let's get going on this. Because, I mean, you know, maybe when you're saying, well, let's, we need to talk about it more, well, when are we going to do that? Well, so, in, in, in my defense, it does mean when I got on this council, you all continued to talk about boards and commissions. And I'm like, okay, how long are we going to talk about boards and, and commissions? So right. And we never got anything done. Um, so I'm willing to move forward with it, but I also think that what I've learned from Breck and um, Alan is tremendous to this um, board that we're trying to get together because they know how the boards and commission um, work. And you 
making the suggestion that we get feedback from them, I think that's going to help us a whole lot through the process of boards and commissions. Well, and maybe just so you know, Alan was involved in the meetings that Tommy and I have had as well, so he's part of that, that discussion. And at the retreat in February, administration said they would get back to us on plans for the boards and commissions. So can we, can, can we do this? So we, we have... We understand there's a, a desire for a liaison. We'll get that list out for those who want to be part of that. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll get the list out. Kenny's not on any of them. I've given him all. So let me just say two things. Whatever you are, I think that we should have definitive timelines uh, about the, appoint, the appointments to boards, commissions, a better description, as Angela said, uh, the mission. Of the boards and commission, and that needs to be readily available, easy to understand, and that needs to be disseminated. The second thing, uh, as it relates to the liaisons, I really think that I would like uh, for Bernard, uh, in, in conjunction with whomever he needs to do it with, to make sure that we have uh, our do's and don'ts so that we don't opine, advise, influence matter that's before board commission or authority to put us in this council in jeopardy that needs to be defined and if Bernard think that that's not a good idea then he needs to say that we could just be a liaison but I just don't want to make sure that we're careful that we're just there to welcome a new board member to go over the expectations and, and those kinds of things I think that's I believe is what we're what we're asking um, here but Bernard, you want to make sure that we're ironclad here in our role. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yes, I, um, I think that um, I'm not. I, I'm hearing everybody uh, say that, and I'll be happy to uh, put that uh, help um, define that role of liaison, um, so that it, it's clear that you're not being uh, obligated to undertake uh, service on the board or otherwise uh, substitute your judgment for it, so that. Um, but by all means, yeah. that, um, and the other councils do it, so exactly. it's not. I mean, it's already been established. It's not a something that Norfolk's um, inventing. So there's Doug. You had it at Portsmouth Council, right? Mm -hmm. It did. And did you go to their meetings? Did you go to your boards and commission meetings? You kept that relationship. <laughs> they had somebody to call, and if there was something. Relevant on the agenda, you went to that meeting, but no, you didn't go. Yeah, okay. That's what I'm saying. And, and then, so that, and I think the problem with the calendar is that we don't set uh, our year calendar until, for the, our meeting dates, um, until la later this year, right? December is usually when we plan January through. So we've actually got a draft for you that we're going to bring okay. to this meeting. So, so, yeah, so on that draft, go ahead and add, you know, the four meetings that the we would do board appointments, um, right? Because you wanted, um, Andrea, was it every three months that, that you were? Yeah, quarterly is what we did. Quarterly, right? Quarterly. Quarterly. So th th just add that to that That's calendar that you present to us on these are the four dates that you're going to um, do those board and commission appointments. And then the month prior to have a list of all the vacancies and all those who've applied thus far so that we have a full month to go out and recruit folks uh, appropriately. So just whatever little tweaks we're doing right now are so much better than um, where we've been. So, I mean, we're, we know that there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Some of it will be when, Breck, uh, you know, whatever programs decided that helps organize 
all that. And that's not a decision that needs to be made today. But some of the feedback that's been collected over the last eight years, you know, on that will hopefully help. Okay. With all frame when you need. It. <laughs> <laughs> I have one thing. Yes, it's tree um, commission. Tommy. <laughs> Tommy brought up scheduling, and since you guys are working on a preliminary schedule, I've talked to a couple of you uh, on council about it. Um, but I would like to propose changing our council recess. Currently, we do it the last week in July and the first full three weeks of August, I would like to propose, if nobody has a problem with it, making it the full month of August instead of the last week of July and the first three weeks of August. That way we get in all our July. Why don't we just do August as well? No, that's what I'm saying. Do uh, do all of August instead. Normally we do and, the And still the last week of July. No. <laughs> if, 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 we'll get if, the first if, week in well, September, if, though, if, Mr. Riddick. If, if according to our what we can do in Richmond, and the length of time that we can take off. Why not take that? Because all of you use it still a week anyway. So why not just, you know. Because we get the, because the week following, um, the first week of September right. is Labor Day. So right. we get that week anyway because we don't have a council meeting the Tuesday yeah. after holiday. Yeah. So we would get that same, we would get those yeah. same, you know, dates. I, but I it would keep us in our second and fourth for the council meetings, we wouldn't have to jiggy the schedule, right. and we do. <laughs> so Mr. Riff is taking July. We'll figure it out. We got you. Yeah, all okay. of, just all of August would be, and then it, of course the first week in, in September rather would be hours hours anyway because of Labor Day. Any okay. time you ask about Christmas, you always. <laughs> oh yeah, thank you, Mr. Riddick. So since you all are doing the calendar, Christmas is on Tuesday the 25th, and we normally it's give Monday, a half. Monday, Monday. It's Monday. No, wait, my calendar says it's Monday. It's oh wait, wait, I'm in 18. 18. Sorry, hold on, I'm in 18. All right, so it's Monday. All right, can we look for Friday off, maybe? So we're gonna bring you a draft yeah. calendar, and <laughs> so you all can edit it as you see fit. <laughs> Stay the course. All right, stay the course. All right, uh, we've got one more item. Before we do that, I do want to share a little bit of information just to clarify. You know, we're, we're recruiting for an intergovernmental relations manager, and so I do want you to know that um, you're right on in terms of the school board. And, and while that role is, is particularly intense during the General Assembly session, it is a year-round role. And the reality is we have these regional organizations like HRTPO, HRTAC, Harumpha, uh, HRPDC, some of which have um, General Assembly members on them, so that person coordinates uh, those activities. Uh, we've got a, remember Chris DeLacy came before you with the Kemper folks, and we have a pretty robust federal lobbying effort now that goes on outside of that, that session. So I just want you to know that that, that position is, it, it's very much a year-round position, but I hear you on the school board. We traditionally had a um, member of the Budget Strategic Planning Office there, but I think the thought of having somebody that comes back and reports to you all instead of coming back and reporting to me, I think it is, is a good one. You just want to know those roles. Uh, I want to talk for a couple minutes about your retreat. Now, I think we're, we probably, we, we can do this in 10 minutes. Just, Doug, as, yes, you as you transition, yes, sir. Um, could, you, could you give us a report uh, on our airport, uh, the value of the airport, uh, the land mass, our annual income, any ancillary taxes that we might get from the airport? Uh, any income we might get from FedEx, UPS, or any other shippers. Okay. And I guess I wonder, you know, I was looking at, uh, do we really, I mean, this sounds really crazy by somebody in Norfolk. Not crazy, but questionable. Um, 
Is it time for us to give up the airport and go somewhere like Suffolk or, or Chesapeake where we can have about five or six different roads coming into the airport, including North Carolina, and, uh, and get larger planes in here and start doing more direct flights? I mean, that's just a, a question and it's something that's probably 10 years, Sure, you know. But it's time for us to, to so look at the so fact Mr. that... Mr. Riddick, the yeah. state of the airport is coming up. Okay. And I'll, and I'll get your... If you can't make okay. it, I will get you the... It's coming up when? It's uh, next, next week. I think it's the 18th. Week. Okay. I was going to put you as the liaison to the airport board. My minister's on this, so I'm not going to. It's October 18th, Mr. Riddick. Okay. All right. We'll get you the report, Mr. Riddick. Okay. We're really, literally going to take about uh, 10 minutes and talk to you. You all got this report from uh, the retreat. Uh, so I want to get a chance to get some feedback from you. But Suzanne Perry was, our, was your facilitator. So I'd ask her to come up for a minute and give you a little bit of a recap. And then I'm going to talk to you for a couple of minutes about uh, where we go from here in the, in the next couple of weeks in between now and the next week. Thank Suzanne, you. thank you for being thank here. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, members of council, Mr. Council, Mr. Manager, thank you. Um, thank you again to all of you for a, a really lively, uh, interactive, and I think productive retreat. Um, we, uh, I think a couple of things, uh, big things emerged from those uh, day and a half together. Um, one was that uh, there was a uh, while we still work on the three strategic priorities and, and um, organized our, our discussions around that, education, public safety, and um, housing, you know, it became clear that the really large overarching goal for um, this council is strengthening neighborhoods. Um, how, do you, how do you grow the neighborhoods? How do you grow economic development? How do you grow the workforce? Um, we spent time um, speaking about the fiscal transparency. We had some uh, brief reports to help clarify um, everyone's thinking, but the city's fiscal state, particularly as it related to revenue and bonding issues. Um, finally, we um, spoke about civic engagement. That was really embedded through much of the conversations, uh, a manifestation of which we just heard with the Boards of Commission conversation. Um, and um, so I think, um, finally, there was discussion about the <coughs> idea of, of One Norfolk, the brand and the vision of Norfolk being a really vibrant, inclusive, um, uh, and creative waterfront community. And I'm not sure that there was an adoption of a vision out of this retreat, um, but there was uh, certainly a consensus that, that one Norfolk was important, even as you all spoke about the times when there was creative tension between the needs of one Norfolk and the needs of individual awards, <coughs> specific needs of individual awards. Um, so that would uh, that's that is the nutshell um, report. Um, just a quick touch base with you all. Um, any any other reflections, comments? You've had a couple weeks to digest some of um, the retreat. Anything that you wanted to talk about? We didn't talk about anything that um, the manager and I need to know. Where's um, our artwork? Question. So, um, unfortunately, um, Ed Trask uh, lost his father between the time we had the retreat and, and um, uh, last couple of weeks. So he is actually committed to getting us that piece back by the 24th of October. So by your next meeting, so we'll bring that forward. Where right. have you picked a place for it to go? We have not. We think City Hall. So, the, so what I'd ask you to think about is where should it hang? And the places we're thinking are should it go in here? Should it go down on the first floor? Should it go outside the chambers? But that's one of the questions we'd like to for you all to think through when we bring that through. So give that. 
You should be in the hall with the, photo, this... or the portraits of all the mayors. <laughs> all right. All right. So, uh, Kim, I'd ask you to pop the next slide up. So in terms of kind of where uh, staff takes uh, what happened, I'd ask you to kind of go through the report, um, and if you've got stuff that either isn't accurate or you want to add, or want, uh, we'll certainly make those changes. But in terms of kind of where we go from here, you know, the last time we kind of came out with the three themes, and so we themed our, our three priorities, so we themed our work sessions around those three each uh, of the next six months. Uh, so we'll start structuring the six-month calendar now. Um, heard you loud and clear of, of keeping it up at those strategic issues and, and balancing presentations and making those things, you know, three, four, five slides, not, not 45 slides. Um, this idea of the fiscal transparency, we're going to talk, we're, our thinking is, is all, we're calling them sort of budget vignettes, that at every one of your meetings, we're really trying to start the budget process earlier and we've had some real, Andrew and I've had some real specific con conversations about retiree COLAs and things like and there's, there's different issues like that that are big and important but need time you know now rather than in the spring and so we want to we'll bring some of those things to you um, each meeting uh, we agreed that we do the field trips by ward uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do those on those um, off nights obviously we'll, we, we canceled the one for November now code enforcement got a lot of conversations so James <coughs> Rogers is taking point on what that would look like and, and is pulling a group together and, and right um, um, hooked in with that is this whole issue that Mr. Rick talked a lot about sort of beautification and, and what our gateways and neighborhoods and whatnot look like so we'll bring that back to you in terms of some recommendations obviously we got started on the revenue sharing agreement um, at our at our last meeting and in the conversation with the uh, school board uh, and Catherine Whitesell has taken the, the point there um, the strengthening neighborhoods and the pilot program Susan Perry will uh, will carry that forward uh, for us. I think communication will just always be a constant theme. You know, one of the things we're trying real hard to do is, is over-communicate, but uh, there'll be times when we get it wrong, and, and but we'll really focus on uh, employees. Uh, we'll focus on, and that's one of the pieces that I think uh, I haven't done as well as we'd like to do uh, as we get into, as we get our full team in, but really you know, I'm getting that feedback both to and from uh, the employees, but how we communicate with citizens and frankly how you all uh, communicate with yourselves and how I communicate with uh, with you all is uh, the pieces that we'll really work on uh, for you in the, in the coming weeks. Kim, one last slide. Um, and just, I'd ask you to think through, uh, we, we lean towards uh, the next next retreat would be that February time frame. We'll start we'll, uh, in the calendar, we'll put a suggested date for you there. Uh, we'll want to think through kind of what the focus of that one will be, <coughs> nothing we're going to decide right now, but uh, be thinking through kind of what you what you want uh, as, as you all made clear to me uh, about uh, the week before the retreat it's your retreat and so it's, it's your agenda and it's for you to work on so be thinking about uh, that as it, it will be here for you know it and then we had some different conversation about the, the location I thought the addicts worked out really well in this case but we've had conversations about whether it should be in town or out of town and where it should be uh, where it might be and we'd look for some feedback from you all on that so you talk about the mayor retreat February. February? Yeah, February. Okay, so three months from now, we, we had our retreat in October, so four months later we're doing a mid-year retreat. So you had the I retreat mean, September, so October, November. Well, we, well, so the yeah, thinking like is... Yeah, six months is what I'm thinking, is where I'm going with this. We were... So here's what I'm trying to do, and you can and obviously push back on this, uh, but trying to do February is getting you ahead of the budget process. So there's something substantive. But I'm on it. So if you push it, you push it to March, April, maybe it's Maybe it's better to push, I don't know, I think, I think September and February work. Okay. But if you push it to March, okay. April, you're in the middle of the budget cycle okay. as opposed to ahead of it. Okay. So I right. think I we should do our 
September retreat, we should move it as part of our vacation period. I mean, in August, it should be. You can take your vacation. No, I'm saying like that's take a week and do it then, and then we go on vacation after that retreat to give staff time to process what we've talked about at the retreat. Two days. All right. So we just ask you to think about those out. things. Those are the, the, the places we'll need some we guidance from you all, but that's where we're heading on the retreat. Mayor, that's all we, we got for you. All right, good. The six months. See you up there. Well, I understand with the <laughs> budget thing now. I'm good with that. I'm good with going in February.